0: Well, I probably had the idea like 13, 14 years ago. Um, I had this idea to write an album. Originally, the idea was to write an album about serial killers. So I was reading a lot of books about serial killers, and I'm, I was like fascinated with the evil that
1: men do and all that jazz. That's kind of dark. It is,
0: yeah. And, and, and I was inspired by a song by...
1: You're listening to the Local Open Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Heath. And today... We talk with Evindur Karlsson, he hails from Iceland. The first thing you'll notice about him, his English accent sounds like he was born and raised in the Midwest of the United States. I kid you not. The next thing you'll notice is how passionate he is about music, and these days, especially teaching experienced songwriters to be better. He hosts a successful podcast entitled The Strong Writing Podcast, with at least one local open mic alumni in his catalog. Along the way to all of this, Avendur has written music for theater productions that have taken the show on the road, as we say, throughout Europe. His writing style is engaging since all his songs tell a story. We get to hear the backstory to three of his songs all while enjoying discussions about his musical journey. And we have with us today, and I'm gonna try and pronounce this right, Eivindr. Yes. Excellent. Eivindr, Carlsen? Carlson, yeah. Just Carlson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Simple. trying to finesse it in in an Icelandic sort of a appropriate Way and I botched it, so it is. Well,
0: w- look, here's my standard joke about this. There are, and this is true, by the way. There are more people in the world that speak Klingon than Icelandic. So you are forgiven for butchering it. That's very funny. Everybody does.
1: I don't speak Klingon, but then uh, that was never no, important see, to me. So,
0: and if I, 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 if I came here with a Klingon name, you know.
1: Um. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. (laughs) So now where uh, you're from Iceland. Where in Iceland do you hail from?
0: Uh, Reykjavik, the capital, is uh, where I'm from. Um, I live just outside there now, uh, like 20 minutes outside the city.
1: That's not a very big
0: city, is it? No. I mean, (laughs) look, there are 360,000 people in Iceland. Total? And... Total, yeah. Uh, uh, well, wow. excluding elves, but other than <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. Um, and uh, there are about two hundred thousand in the uh, Reykjavik area. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 pretty small. I mean, Reykjavik itself is about one hundred and fifty thousand, and then fifty thousand live in the uh, surrounding areas.
1: Yeah. So, although I'm in Canada and that's where I live now, uh, I'm originally from the United States. And the smallest state in the United States is Wyoming, and they have about half a million people. So yeah. they're pretty close. That, that's, that's tiny.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, there, there are um, plenty of cities in the states that have way more people. So
1: Plenty, yeah. plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we found each other on match yep. and I use that mm-hmm. once in a while. I've had a few uh, successful matches from that, and you are certainly one of them. I was really happy to hear from you and check out your music. Uh, it's going to be fun music. It's it's well-written. Uh, it's It's got a different kind of a, a feel to it than a lot of my past guests, so uh, the fans of the show will, I think, really enjoy it. So uh, we have something to look forward to. Well, thank you kindly, sir. So real quick, uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about this last year. How have things been going?
0: Well, things have been pretty good for me in the last year. Um, I, uh, you know, when when COVID hit originally two years ago, I was just in the middle of rehearsing a theater production that I wrote the music for and performed in. That's been my uh, main sort of paying songwriting gig over the past uh, I don't know I want to say six seven years oh
1: okay Um,
0: good and um and so we had to shut down we we got to do I want to I don't know um, four performances or something before COVID hit and everything was shut down and um and then and so and we made several attempts to get it back on uh eventually we did and so uh last spring we well i mean it was started uh last winter sometime and then uh, we were able to go into into 2021 we won an award uh at the theater festival for the best uh children's show it was a musical version of pinocchio And, uh, and then I very shortly started working on another one, which I'm working on right now, uh, which is the most, it's the smallest cast wise, there are only two of us, but it's the most technically and uh, instrumentally complex show that I've done. So that's been a really fun challenge. How many
1: shows have you done?
0: Um, wow, that's um, let's see. I've done uh, I don't
1: know, about, about ten, I think. something like that. Okay. yeah, yeah. there's a gal we interviewed. Uh, her podcast went live a few weeks ago. Her, uh, her name is Nico Padden, and she writes for theater uh, and mm-hmm. has even had uh, one of her songs sort of go viral um among the high school uh, choir director crowd in North America. So, and it's it's made it to Europe too, but uh anyway, so that's a very fascinating thing for a somebody who is typically a singer-songwriter to also write for theater. I'm finding it yeah. maybe it's not as unusual as I had had thought.
0: No, I mean, um probably not. Uh it's it's very common here to get uh a musician or a band or something to make one song, you know, somebody popular to, to kind of, um, you know, get something, you know, this is from the show and then you get it on the radio and then it's a whole marketing thing. I didn't get into it that way. I just, uh, they needed music. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be contacted and they said, can you do this? It was terrifying because all of a sudden I had to write on a schedule and have a deadline and uh, all that crazy thing. But it's been great. It's been a learning process. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's improved my songwriting in general, not just in the theater realm, but just my, I've, because I've had to stretch myself. I've had to explore genres that I otherwise wouldn't have explored and, you come up with uh, techniques and things, play instruments that I never thought I'd have to play. So it's been a, a great experience, and uh, I recommend it to any singer songwriter. If you can, if you have a theater scene, try to get in because it's it's a great, great experience.
1: Do you write any of the music and the lyrics from an English speaker point of view, or from an Icelandic? language point of view
0: well in theater i almost always write to pre-existing lyrics okay uh so usually the lyrics have already been written into the play and i only write the music and i write instrumental stuff for the shows as well uh and so that's i mean usually the process there is just i'm handed uh, a lyric and i write to it sometimes they go okay we need a song here we don't have lyrics for it yet but it should have such and such a feel it should be like this and that and so then i'll go and maybe there's a line that we know needs to be in that so i'll just go and and write something with that line in it and uh just hum some melody or whatever with the rest of it and uh and then bring that to the lyricist and they'll do it but uh so far i haven't written the lyrics to that. I write my own lyrics for my songs, sure, but in yeah. theater, I've, I've, uh, I've been writing to pre-existing lyrics.
1: So what else during this year have you been consuming your time with? Something your fans would want to hear about?
0: Well, I have a, uh, I, I record, so I have been working on an album for a few years now. It's this concept How album. have we all?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's this idea that I had, uh, well, i probably had the idea like 13 14 years ago um i had this idea to write an album originally the idea was to write an album about serial killers because so i was reading a lot of books about serial killers and i'm i was like fascinated with the evil that men do and all that jazz that's kind of dark it is yeah and 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 i was inspired by a song by Sufjan stevens you know him nope yep. uh great folk artist he wrote a song called John Wayne Gacy Jr., which is this gorgeous ballad about John Wayne Gacy, and I thought that's a fantastic idea to sing this beautiful, haunting ballad, and it's it happens to be about a very evil person, and and I kind of thought I'd lo- love to do that, and you know uh, I'm a big Nick Cave fan, and I thought you know yeah I could do an album of all those like you know Nick Cave did murder ballads, I'll do serial murder ballads. And, um, and so I wrote two songs and I, I liked both of them, but they were kind of the same. And I thought, this is not, you know, and and I, and they were both about actual serial killers who used to be alive. And, um, and I thought this is, ah, it's going to be kind of samey if I do a whole album with like nice sweet songs about evil people so I kind of abandoned that but one of those songs kind of stuck with me and that song was about a man named Henry Lee Lucas who was uh, arrested for uh, murder in the 80s in Texas and he was uh, he he confessed to like 300 murders or whatever and then it turned out that uh, it was all lies and uh, there's a Netflix series about him now called The Confession Killer. Yep, yep. Which is... Um, I've seen it. seen it. Yeah, so that guy, I was like fascinated with him. And this one song was about him. And uh, I kept going back to it. And eventually I decided, you know what? I'm going to do the whole album just about him and his life and his this, this weird story about this guy who confessed to all these murders he didn't commit. Um, and so... Through the years, I've kind of added to that. And I think it was last year or the year before, I started getting serious about recording demos for it and working on it in my on my computer just by myself because I didn't have a band anymore. I used to work with a band, and that kind of dissolved, and I was kind of working on that. And, la- this, yeah, last year, I was very far along with it i basically needed to polish some vocals and record some backing vocals and then it would be ready but it had taken me so long and i was so uh not tired of it but it was kind of uh wearing on me because it had taken so long that i decided to just throw out an album very quickly and i said "Yeah, i'm just it's just gonna be Like, you know, I I make kind of Americana music, like folk, country blues, that kind of stuff. And I say, this is going to be like country punk. It's just going to be raw and I'm just going to do it very quickly and not think about it and just get it out. And so I did that. I recorded, I had some things lying around and I recorded a couple of new things, a few covers and things. I said, all right, here, I got eight or nine songs that are ready for release. And uh, all that was left was just some uh, post-production and I was gonna release it on my 40th birthday, which was last December. And then it was basically technical problems. My audio interface broke down and things got uh, hectic and I didn't manage to do it. Uh, but so that is kind of now, and now I'm uh, focusing on that again. So that's coming out in a month or two. Okay. And then, and what then is the that, other album. What's that
1: entitled?
0: It has an Icelandic title, which translates to, I'll, maybe I'll have both English and Icelandic Probably title should. on there. <laughs> um, because it has Icelandic and English songs on it. The The title translates to, would you like some less? Would so you? that's uh
1: and I'm not sure how to read that. <laughs> would you like some well, less?
0: Who would you like some less? It's um, uh, it's kind of. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a play on the word. You know, would sure. you like some more? Would you like some less? And uh, to me, it's kind of. There are uh, people are so willing to sell themselves short and to to settle for less, and so that's kind Got of it. where I was coming from on yep. this. It's okay. like. You know, if someone offers you to take less, then you probably don't accept it. So it's, yeah, that was kind of the thought.
1: Okay. Now that's good. Uh, When, when it gets out there, let me know and I'll uh, post something on uh, the local open mic page about it. No, thank you. Help you out there. What is it that you have? Okay. So you have this upcoming release. Now Mm -hmm. you said that is, you just have a little bit of post left in that before you're going to release it. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else uh, that's on your calendar coming up?
0: Yeah, well, again, the the other one is I'm I'm going to release that later this year. It's time to get that out of my system. Uh, and that's a pretty big album. It's uh, like, I don't know what it is, 17, 18 songs or whatever. It's I don't know if it's going to fit on a CD even. Uh, it might have to be a double. I might be able to squeeze it down below. What is it, 80 minutes for a cd I the forget.
1: double cd set
0: yeah because that's nobody wants that in their lives <laughs> 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 and uh so uh yeah so i've that's actually one of the things that's been giving me some trouble i'm trying to like cut it down a, just a little so that it can fit on a single cd because i do sell cds here's an People insider tip CDs.
1: cut one of the verses out tighten everything up It'll yeah, fly. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm, you know, as you'll, as you'll hear later on. I, I have no self discipline when it comes to writing long songs. <laughs> uh, my inner editor is uh, on a uh, permanent vacation in the Bahamas. I think. Well, you've brought um, one
1: song under three minutes, and one it comes in at about three twenty or so. Oh, the rest okay. are right. four minutes or over, and that. You know, four to five minutes is, I find that very common on the show in talking with people, although probably the the ones that do the best in, you know, out there in the open market are the ones that are somewhere around three to three and a half minutes, because we all know because of the internet and YouTube and all that, attention spans are so short (laughs) that longer music struggles. And yet... Some of the most satisfying stuff is the longer music.
0: Two of my favorite singles last year. I think they were both last year. Might have been the year before, but those were um, Murder Most Foul by Bob Dylan, which is like, what is that? It's like 18 minutes or something.
1: That's like Leonard Cohen in Hallelujah. You know, it's... Yeah, I it was like... Allegedly, they're written. like 100 verses yeah. floating around. Um, I'm thinking not all of them written by him, <laughs> but...
0: Well, but but there are two versions of the lyrics performed by Leonard Cohen, one in the original studio version. And then uh, if you listen to Cohen live, the live version has completely different lyrics. There's only one verse that's the same in both, yeah. Uh, both versions.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, I do, uh, when I sing and I venture to do Hallelujah, as an example, no. uh, I do a version that I don't normally hear anybody else singing. And yet, I went to a Leonard Cohen released version and I got those lyrics from that is what yeah. I used as my authoritative source. But in more contemporary times, people, people don't have some of those verses in it. They, they swap them out for other stuff.
0: Well, they always go for the Jeff Buckley version these days, don't they? Um, yeah. Or yeah. I guess it's the Rufus Wainwright version originally that Jeff Buckley then... I think that's the order it was in.
1: Well, the one I heard was was right from Leonard Cohen. Uh, he right. he released a, a version early in his career, so the um, you know it was a younger version of oh, Leonard. Okay. So, hmm. but it was good version, and it suits it suited me because the the song has kind of a re- religious overtones. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm reluctant to say it's faith based. <laughs> okay, but it's it's well written. Yeah. And the version I chose sort of maps in really good with my own religious faith sensibilities more than some of the other versions I've heard. So
0: right, right. It's funny uh, when it comes to religion and music. i'm I'm not religious, but i I think religion is great fodder for music. Uh, you know, the the Bible is a great. There are so many. So many references. And it's always good in music when you can reference something that everybody knows and everybody knows those Bible references, whether they're uh, religious or not. But I remember I was at a uh, Nick Cave um, sort of storytelling session. He's been doing this thing where he he goes uh, and he, he, it's just him on stage and he, um, well, he did this before COVID. And he's just playing the piano, singing songs and answering questions from the audience. And someone asked him, whether his the the mentions of of religions sorry the mention of religion in his songs is genuine or whether it's ironic he said that it used to be mostly ironic but as time went on he's while he's not strictly speaking christian or very religious he's got faith in something and so he's it's gotten more genuine, more honest, um, as uh, more sincere as time went on. And then this person contrasted it with said, you know, I've always gotten the feeling that people like you and Leonard Cohen, it's more ironic. And he said, well, with me, yeah, it's sometimes ironic, sometimes not. With Leonard Cohen, I think it's always genuine. I, I think if, when Leonard Cohen references God, he's really talking about God. And I thought that was really, because, because I, remember getting a similar feeling for some of cohen's songs that you know is it is it is it actually religion he's talking about or is he using religion as a metaphor for something else right
1: and that happens you're right happens a lot
0: yeah but i think i think he was a very you know um religious man he had a lot of faith i think
1: i think maybe the, he, the phrase today would be he was a spiritual man
0: spiritual man yeah, yeah. well he spent years in a buddhist monastery so there you yeah, go that would, right probably wouldn't do that unless you were a little bit yeah, right for yep. me it's funny I, I i've never i never used to consider myself spiritual uh in any way i was i was raised by heathens recently i've come to define spirituality for myself and consider myself spiritual in a certain sense in that i consider creativity my spirituality and so whereas i don't you know i i, I do meditate i don't uh, i don't pray and i don't uh, you know, have any religious practices or any spiritual practices per se, but I do have these rituals, I guess you could call them when it comes to creativity. And that to me feel when I experience those things, it feels to me what I imagine strong feelings of faith feel like for, for people of faith. And so that has kind of become my, uh, my spirituality. So now I, and I feel very lucky in that I was able to come to that conclusion because that allows me to to identify with a lot of uh, with a lot of things that I maybe didn't understand before. Okay. I don't know where that tangent came from, but uh, tangent. Well, hey,
1: but I liked it <laughs> here at local open mic. We sometimes just go with the flow. Yeah. So let's talk about your first song that we're going to play. Things that no one wants. Tell us about oh, that. Yeah. What's the backstory to that?
0: that was a, a a funny song to write. It was, uh, I was directing a play in uh, a tiny village in Iceland called Holmavik, which is, I think 200 people live there. And I was hired to direct a show with the local amateur theater group. Uh, And it was a, production of sweeney todd not the musical sweeney todd but the original play which is not uh, doesn't have music written in but it's basically exactly the same story wise and it was a part of a festival that they had they have a lot of funny festivals in that town they're very active socially and this festival is would be translated as like the disaster days so the theme for the this week or however long it lasted was disasters. And so they thought it would be very fitting to put on a production of Sweeney Todd with the, all the murders. So anyway, to make a long story short, I was there and I had been there for two months and it was almost time for opening night. And there was a raging storm outside and I was kind of bored because we were, uh, you know, I, I had the whole day. Then we rehearsed at night and I was sitting in my hotel room where I was staying with a storm raging outside and snow everywhere. And it was pitch black. And I had booked a show there to perform before I left town at a local restaurant. And I decided to yeah, let's write a song and maybe perform it there if it's good. And so I sat down uh, with my guitar and I wrote that song, uh, Things That No One Want. And the lyrics were kind of inspired by the whole disaster, doom and gloom kind of vibe that was going on around me. Um, And I recorded a demo of the song in that hotel room. And a lot of the stuff in the actual version that I released is the same tracks that I recorded for that demo. So I think the vocals and the guitar are at least are the same from that
1: how long ago did you write the song
0: this would have been written in
1: 2015 okay i think okay wonderful let's get to the song things that no one want A, uh it's definitely a story song no question yeah. and uh, you know i was uh, making some notes as it was going it's it definitely has the feel of something that would be in theater yeah and it almost has like um the kind of a song you would find in a, either theater or a movie musical that has gypsies in it
0: right yeah, yeah. it has a yeah there's a, and and you know the uh it has even has that line from the Zorba um, on the mandolin. So uh, it's, yeah, it's inspired by that sort of um, European, uh, you know, it's, it's not quite a polka. It's not quite a, a Zorba, but it's somewhere in that sort of, in that vicinity. And again, you know, it's almost like been...
1: a, a madcap feel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With it, and you know, b- believe it or not, and I, I made this as a note here uh, that it's it's the kind of a thing that you could almost hear the Beatles putting out. they have a few <laughs> yeah. songs that are that sort of dance in that that space. So well done. That was thank good. you, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, good job. Yeah,
0: no, the Beatles have had like show tune type things and. Um and folky things they, they, they did everything, man. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought, um, I, I would offer that up because, uh, that's what came to my mind. Sometimes I just gotta get it out there. (laughs) Yes, of
0: course. It's fun listening back to that song. I haven't listened to it in a while. And, um, uh, just remembering it when I was listening to it, the, uh, um, I, I think I, I think I was right about the, uh, uh, The vocals and the guitars were recorded in that hotel room, and that uh, keyboard solo in the middle was recorded there as well. And then the uh, the drums were recorded. uh, The drums and the mandolin were recorded in a um, a cottage in the middle of winter in Iceland, like out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And the bass, I think, was recorded in in uh, in the Hag in. The Netherlands, when my friend went there to study for a semester, and I sent him the tracks, and he he overdubbed the bass, so that song has been
1: around. Yeah, it's made the journey around the <laughs> your part of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> all right, good. Uh, there's a you'll find this uh, fascinating. Uh, well, first of all, do you collaborate with other people when you write, or do you pretty much you're just your own singer songwriter world for the most part
0: I love collaborating with other people i I would love to do more of it. I have and um, uh, that that production of Pinocchio there were two of us who wrote the music for that um, and and i've uh, uh, I've co-written uh, one or two other songs as well uh, It's something that I really enjoy doing, and I want to do more of it it's uh, you know but it's it, it is kind of easy as a songwriter to shut off and just do it and it's there and you're the boss and everything goes according to your head. But I find that mostly ideas get better as you collaborate. And even if it's not been a co-write, then a lot of stuff, including in that song that we just heard has been refined by the people that I've played them with or recorded them with. So the, the couple albums that I'm putting out this year are mostly just me um, because they were mostly <laughs> made during COVID. So it was just me shutting myself off in my house and, and doing the work. But the album before that, the one that that song, I think all the songs that I sent you are, are from that album. That was done much more collaboratively. So it is a process that I really enjoy and that's why I gravitate towards the theater as well. I really love working with people. I think that's where the best ideas come from, is collaboration.
1: So um before we get on to some other um uh stories and stuff, let me just say mm-hmm. uh, your English is like you were right from North America somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the Yeah, States, I don't know actually. why that is. Um So that leads me to ask the question in Iceland is, is English like a second language typically taught or is there another language that the Icelanders gravitate to?
0: uh, English is the second language now, but when I was younger, it was the third language taught and the second is Danish. Okay. Now Danish is the third language. Danish is still taught in schools uh my danish is terrible um so is mine can't, by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh i can read danish and get by i can barely speak it and i certainly can't listen to it and understand anything uh but that's that's the danish fault they speak very fast and they also the danish are very bad at letting foreigners speak their language they are very impatient with it and they just cut you off i've gone to Denmark many, many times, and every time I go there, I make a point of trying to use my limited Danish to practice and get better. And so, and, But but you walk into some place and you try to order something, and they cut you off immediately. So you just go and you say, hi, and then the Danish will go, just just, just speak English. I don't understand a <laughs> word you're saying. You sound awful. Just speak English. I, and I speak English very well. So uh, you might not even believe that I'm Danish because I don't have an accent, but I actually am. But my English is very good. So that's uh, that's what happens every time I go to Denmark. And uh, that's some so good, I've kind of given up. Good on
1: that. insider information, just don't go. You know, like if you go to France, they appreciate yeah. you trying to speak French. Yes, and they do. And if you do, uh, oftentimes they get that maybe it's not so good and they'll be happy to revert to speaking whatever common language you have. Like in my case, it would be English uh, when I've traveled Mm -hmm. in France. Uh, But if you make no effort, they, they get offended at that. Whereas in apparently in Denmark, they just look, don't test our patience. We know you're not going to get it. Let's just speak English. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're there. Yeah. But no, the French, the French are great about that. I've, um, I've been to France a couple of times and that, that that's never been a problem. Um, whereas in Belgium, I've, it's been a problem where they just, they're, they don't have the patience. the French speaking Belgians, they don't have the patience for, them. I hope I'm not offending some French speaking Belgians out there. It's uh, maybe I just, uh, had a rude experience, but, uh, I, I remember, because everybody had warned me about the French, saying, oh, they're terrible. They're very, you know, if you don't speak French, they're not going to be nice. And, but that was totally not true. But I did have meet a few of those people in Belgium, unfortunately.
1: So let's get back, before we get too yep. much into <laughs> the language arts, <laughs> let's, let's jump back a few years, say about five years or so. So uh, mm-hmm. what was going on in your life that led up to what goes on today in those years?
0: Well, uh, yeah. Um, so five years ago, I was, and uh, my, sense of time is terrible, so uh, forgive me. Uh, but I, I believe
1: five years is a general sure. thought you can go. Yeah. 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 Go well, I mean, if you uh, need to.
0: going back a little further, like six or seven years, that's when I started writing for theater. And, uh, so five years ago, I reckon I would probably have been doing my second show around that time. That was probably an even bigger learning experience because the first show I wrote for, I was hired as a professional songwriter, but it was an amateur show, which actually has since been uh, performed around the world. And I was lucky that I was, I'm a performer in the show. I've performed the music live. So I've gotten to travel to a lot of places, including Monaco and then Nice in Southern France. Which was fantastic. And also, Czech Republic and Austria and things to perform that show in theater festivals. And the second one was a professional show. So it was a lot more intense in that the rehearsal period was more intense and it was a bigger thing. And I kind of, I guess I kind of felt that it was a bigger stage when it was the same stage, but it felt like a bigger stage in a way. And, um, and also I was probably beginning to see that, Hey, this is actually, you know, that first show wasn't just a one-off. This is actually something that I'm good at and that I can do and, and actually make, make money on and do professionally. So, I think at that time I started to work on my confidence in a lot of ways. My, my album that I released in, when was it? 2009, 2018 was a long way, long time coming. I started writing the music and planning for it in 2007. So it was more than 10 years that I was kind of struggling with getting it out there. I had released an album with a duet that I was a part of, but I hadn't released my, any of my solo stuff, but I've been making music. I make, I write a lot of songs. I write very fast. That's my thing. Uh, my, that's my superpower. I can write music very fast and I write a lot superpower, of music. And I like I, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have, I have tons of music. With, you know, just in in my catalog, which again makes it very easy if somebody needs a song for something, I can probably, if I don't have an idea ready, I can probably rework something. Uh, and that's now what I coach people on is using some of the methods that I use to stay productive and, and creative. And so it had been a struggle for me because of a general lack of confidence mostly to get my music out there and i think that experience of getting hired because i had been gigging that was fine i was playing original stuff and covers all around but releasing it was a problem and i think the theater stuff gave me a bit of a an ego boost in that i thought okay i actually people do enjoy this stuff and there is an audience out there for my music so i need to stop procrastinating stop being a perfectionist, which is perfectionism is just a fancy word for procrastination and just, just do it. And so I was kind of getting into that mode. And then, um, yeah. And in, in, again, in 2018, 2017 is when I recorded the album and I released it in the spring of 2018 if, if memory serves. So that was, I think where I was at five, six years ago was kind of Getting away from, I mean, getting away from being insecure is not true because it's a constant battle. Uh, And I've been very open about the fact that I've dealt with depression and anxiety and things throughout my whole life. And this was certainly just a part of that. And it's a constant battle. It's not something that you just get over. But I've worked on it a lot. I've done a lot of work on myself and I've kind of built my confidence as a musician and as a songwriter I've connected with myself as an artist I don't try to compare myself to other artists anymore I try to just be myself and be happy with what I do and be the best version of me instead of being a subpar version of somebody else and um, and that's kind of I think that was sort of all starting about five years ago and has led me to a very good place in my life now where I'm, I'm confident in my own skin as an artist. And that's something that I'm now trying to spread to, to other songwriters as well, because I think it is, I think a lot of songwriters, a lot of artists in general, of course, uh, struggle with those same things, those feelings of um, finding it hard. In fact, I was just talking to a, a client of mine today who's, who was going, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know, like I, I'm insecure when it comes to arrangements and things. And and it was, I don't know how to get my song to a producer so that he will make it correctly. And it, it turned out it was it was a confidence thing. It was that he didn't believe that he would be able to have the correct image in his head of his songs by the time he got them to a studio. And, and I think a lot of the stuff that holds us back as artists, comes down to just that you need to connect to your authentic inner artist if that's not too uh, (laughs) too, to out there (laughs) yeah but you know but it is kind of just having the confidence to be yourself and trusting that your insight into what you're doing is good enough and uh, that you can you know get it done and, and do it Right, Because if you do it your way, then it's going to be the right way. Um,
1: Good. So I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to start to dive into another song. And after that, let's Mm -hmm. uh, get into the songwriting um, coursework that you're trying to pull together and lift off and and, and understand that whole part of uh, who you are as uh, an artist and your musical journey. So the next song I would like to talk about is You Have Found Another
0: oh yes um that song is a bummer man uh <laughs> it's it's a very sad song um and it it came about really i just overheard a person talking at a bar there was this uh there was this woman at this bar she was very drunk and she was with a couple of friends and she was very upset because her ex uh ex-boyfriend or husband or whatever um had a new girlfriend and she was you know they had a kid together and she was very you know i heard a lot this she was not she was not quiet so anyway it was this whole thing and this uh line just stuck in my head you have found another and um uh and so i yeah that's kind of where the song came from i wrote it the next day um and it was, it was one of those songs that came very quickly. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a story and uh, a pretty sad story at that.
1: Sad stories say so much. That's, yeah. a, that's a cliche, but they really do. People, I've written sad songs that people, I think people like to listen to. You've written songs, apparently, <laughs> that yeah. uh, are sad. I don't know what it is about sad songs. Maybe it's just that we find somebody that understands our pain.
0: I think it is. I think that's what it is. It's catharsis. It's just a clearing out and um you know when you're when you feel sad it's very good to listen to sad songs. But I think also when you feel happy it's great to listen to a sad song because there's something soothing about it. And again, yeah, I think it's what you said. It's it's uh it's a connection to some artist out there or whatever who is uh you know, oh yeah, I I've been there. I know that feeling and uh And I'll probably be there again, you know.
1: Okay, so I tell you what, why don't we get to You Have Found Another?
2: I am still right here, hiding behind the neon light, drinking to hide my fear, nodding and smiling saying, how do you do, knowing that everyone sees me right through, knowing the
1: A Timeless Lament. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it is. I never
0: write love songs. I only write songs of sadness and anger.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you exist in that space of writing about serial killers and breakups. You know? Yes. There ought to be a genre name for that. Maybe we can invent Uh, one and go with it, right? Um, but the yeah. blues, <laughs> the what, <laughs> the blues, the blues, <laughs> is that used? Yeah, right. I don't know. It, it <laughs> it's catchy. It could catch on. It is. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that
0: might be a thing. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Well, that was again. The storytelling is is good, and thank you. Uh, it it really fe- it's not a country song, but it is kind of a cry in your beer kind of a song.
0: Yes, yeah. That yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, it, it 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 kind of uh dances on that line, but uh yeah, it doesn't quite get there. Um and uh I do enjoy those crying your beer songs.
1: Good. Well I'll tell you what, why don't we move on to talking about your songwriting course and and that whole effort that you've got going in your life right now.
0: Sure. Um, It's something that I'd wanted to do for years and had kind of kept on the back burner, I guess you could say. And then finally, the stars kind of aligned and I decided to to go for it. I have, again, like I said, going into the theater world and having to figure out how to produce music on a, a, a deadline on demand, so to speak, was a big and hard at times education. And I had to come up with these systems. Uh, first of all, I had to teach myself again, confidence, and I had to teach myself discipline. But I also had to figure out ways to mine for ideas and creative uh, things, you know, Um, and I realized that I could put this down in a like a step by step thing that I could teach to other songwriters Uh, because so many songwriters that I know struggle with those same things. And I just found that out when I was playing a lot of festivals meeting a lot of singer songwriters from around the world and they would struggle with those same things you know i i can't find the time to write which is not true we can all find the time to write that's again just another confidence thing um and you know uh, i find it hard to get lyric ideas or um struggling with this or that and um And I kind of found out that the stuff that I kind of helped, uh, used to help me. And this is stuff that I got from a lot of, because I've done so many different things like theater and, um, you know, theater directing and, and acting and things like that. And copywriting. I used to be a copywriter for an ad agency and all these different things. I've run small businesses as well. And all of those things I could pull together to, to use, to get out of those, those holes, those valleys where you feel uninspired and unproductive and you're just staring at a, an empty page or an empty screen. And you get that blank page syndrome that just leads to horrible writer's block. And you don't know, you just feel you end up getting frustrated and it feels painful. Um, so I, I kind of pulled all that together and I started taking on some clients that I was coaching and then I put it together, a a self-paced course. And that's kind of been coming together over the past few months now. And I'm about ready to launch that out into the world. Um, and, uh, might be out by, I don't know when this goes out, but it, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really fun thing. And I launched a podcast alongside it which is called the strong writing podcast which is kind of a plan on words, because I, it, my whole idea is that songwriting is like exercise if you don't do it regularly then it's painful and you can hurt yourself uh, but if you do if it, if it becomes a regular practice and you are serious about it and you just sit down and do it then you uh, then you're gonna build your songwriting muscles, so to speak, and become a stronger songwriter.
1: There's a whole group of song co-songwriters that I've somehow grafted into that i'm I'm friends with now, uh, and they for them, it is an absolute lifestyle, the co-writing thing, yeah, and they find yeah, support with each other. and uh, many of these songwriters will write stuff with other, you know, co-writing sessions online, like with Zoom, uh, for the most part, daily. And right. some of them, by the end of the year, they have 300 songs written. Mm-hmm. Um, only a handful ever get produced. You know, the yeah. best of the best, somebody feels a particular thing about a song, so they'll do it. So I, I think you're right. The more, The more you build yourself and understand the craft of songwriting, the more you can produce and probably the results are better too. Like you said, it's
0: yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you always hear that old cliche, uh, quality over quantity, uh, in, in terms of songwriting, I don't believe in that at all because in my opinion, quantity begets quality. The more you write, the better you get at it. The, there's no question in my mind about that. That's why I like to challenge people to... Uh, to I, I actually put together a little uh, guide that uh, is available on my website that will take you through uh, through songwriting prompts and, and things like that. It'll take you through writing a song every day for 28 days. and uh, And I guarantee that if you do that, if you just... If you take, and, and you know, it, it gives you prompts and things, so it, it's easy to get going. You can just sit there for an hour and stare into space. And if you do that, if you write a song every day for a month, there's no way you're not a better songwriter after that. It's just, you're going to be stretching yourself. You're going to be stepping out to your side, your comfort zone. You're going to be forced to try out new things and you're going to be working those muscles. So, do you, so for, that's a whole thing to me.
1: So do you define that as... Not just a lyrical endeavor, but also the musical and melodic components of the song.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think that um, that you know uh, when you're when you're if you do it every day, you're going to have to like you, you don't want to do the same thing you did yesterday, right? So it it forces you in different directions, not just lyrically, but musically as well. And. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a, 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 a really, really healthy and good thing to do. And so, yeah, so that's a part of, of kind of my philosophy of songwriting is that it is about consistency, confidence, all those things. And, of course, I have some practical songwriting like methods as well when it comes to just the craft itself. So it's kind of a two pronged approach where when it comes to like mindset and and productivity and all of that, but also when it comes to mining for ideas
1: so is there a form to the song structure that you encourage people um I know that in in Nashville circles um the typical model for a song is verse chorus verse bridge chorus outro kind of thing do you Mm. do you encourage a certain structure or uh, no i mean i think
0: that's so genre dependent um and and to me i i never really think about song structure i just uh, not until i'm like far into writing the song and i think what what's the structure that is right for this particular song what what does this song need
3: okay
0: um and but yeah so no i don't really think too much about that and i don't talk about that too much that's something that um is more that's again you know this i i work with songwriters in any genre you know so you know if you're writing heavy metal or if you're writing folk or if you're writing in nashville style country it's going to be completely different and uh those are things that are easy to just figure out by listening to a lot of songs, you know? Um, and I always encourage, I think songwriters should listen to as many, so as much music as they can and, and absorb as much as they can from different genres. So, no, that's not something that I, uh, uh, I work with very much. Uh, and, and this, what I do, I don't normally work with beginners too much. Uh, not, not people who have never written a song before. I have an, I have a podcast episode that anybody can listen to for free, uh, about how to write your first song. But I thought when I started working on when I was working out, you know, who do I want to serve with this material that I'm creating here? I, f- I thought there's, there's a lot of stuff out there for beginners, there's a lot of great people teaching beginners how to write songs. But as far as I've seen, there aren't a lot of people working with more advanced musicians and songwriters who know how to write a song and have written songs, but want to get over that that hump of staring at a blank page and not being able to get going sometimes, and not being able to consistently produce, you know, having to wait for those elusive fits of inspiration, which is, I always say, inspiration is a myth, because it's not something you can rely on, and so, so those are the kind of the people that I want to work with, not, not people who are trying to write their first song, so I'm assuming that those people, they know song structure, they know music theory, at least,
1: to rudimentary a certain extent. anyway.
0: yeah yeah i mean enough i i don't i'm not you know music my music theory uh knowledge is is i i know enough to be able to use it to get through a song quickly i don't have to like when i first started writing songs i had to try every chord that i knew to figure out which chords would fit you know i i, I can figure that out with my music theory knowledge now but um it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, um, again, it, the people that I work with, they're a little bit further along than that.
1: And so when do you actually want to launch that? Let's get that in there one more time. Uh,
0: it, I'm, I'm doing pre-sales now. Okay. Uh, so I'm connecting personally. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching some people and, uh, offering them the, the course and, uh, it, it should be launched uh like properly launched on february 20th
1: okay well this podcast will be out before then so oh okay uh you should be uh you should get a good plug from this
0: great fantastic so if people want to check that out and check out uh some of my free resources also uh which I totally recommend my, my podcast. And I have, uh, uh, some guides and things that people can get for free. Uh, you can go to my website, which is strong Okay.
1: Strong. Yeah. We'll have all that in the show notes and we'll cool. have them as hot links so they can click and go uh, to those. So, uh, before time gets away from us, I want to do at least one more song. Yeah. Tell us about swimming with the sharks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that's a, a very funny uh, story. Well, it's not much of a story, actually. It was kind of a, an exercise. So I uh, I was listening to a lot of Dr. Hook at the time. And I'm <laughs> okay. a big Dr. Hook fan. And I know that song doesn't sound anything like Dr. Hook, but, um, but uh, there was a song that Dr. Hook wrote. I don't know if they ever released it. It I've I've heard it in live recordings. Uh, there might have been a, a and I've heard like a I think it was a bootleg or a B side or something from it, but it was kind of an unfinished thing. Uh, it was called Cops and Robbers, and it had this had this crazy lyric that was just so bizarre to me. And I remember loving that song because it was a weird song. It didn't really feel like a proper song, and the lyrics were just outrageous and so i kind of thought i want to write something with lyrics that are a little bit ridiculous and so i was driving and the first couple of lines came into my head and then I, i went home and i wrote the song so that's pretty much that's pretty much how that song came about and the interesting thing about it in the recording is i recorded this in my garage and i play all the instruments on this one
1: Okay, and that's not the case with those other songs.
0: No, I had I had a, a a bassist for all the other songs. This is the only one on the album that I play bass on. Uh, I I, I played most of the guitar on the album, uh, and there are no drums. There's just uh, stomps and claps in this, which is all me. Um, but yeah, no. So this is pretty much the bass was. I I borrowed a double bass and I kind of figured out how to play this. I'm not a I'm not much of a bass player, but. Um, I managed to do it.
1: Okay, let's get to that. This is swimming with the sharks. Okay. song i could definitely hear uh the vibe you wanted in that song (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: yeah um yeah it's still you know it's it's the blues (laughs) dr hook yeah yeah i'm a big doctor Hook. so uh
1: i realize we're kind of up against the clock here because of technical things on my end that cut into our time sure uh wonderful song by the way i thank you i quite enjoy it like i said it took me a couple times listening to your songs to just sort of lean into them Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy them. I enjoyed this song more than I have the first two times, in fact. <laughs> I even laughed at one of the lines I finally got, uh, running <laughs> naked in the park. Yeah. It's to hard it's to just
0: find a lot of words to rhyme with shark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that was, uh, that was a fun lyric line, I can tell you that. <laughs> fun lyric line. To bring this thing full circle for us, Mm-hmm. Tell us just uh, real quick. I-, I like to touch on this just real briefly. What, how many different instruments do you play?
0: Well, playing is a, a, a big word. I, I, I mostly play guitar. I okay. can play bass, and I have, and piano. Uh, I've been known to play the accordion very badly. Um, and an auto harp I play all the time uh and you know and, and a ukulele and a mandolin i can play things with strings well i mean i can make musical notes let's put it that way playing is uh a, 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 again a big word uh but mostly i i just play guitar uh
1: listen i've had a great time talking yeah, with you thanks for and, having me and uh i I think that we're we're cutting it short here. It might be worth sometime in the future, uh, maybe after your writing course gets launched and all, to maybe sit down and and have some more discussion to flesh out stuff. Absolutely. People are going to like this. They're going to like you and I hope so. <laughs> really happy that we had the chance to uh, to talk. Yeah, that's really all local open mic really is. Is just a conversation between me and other artists about their musical journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to try and pronounce that name, Evendure. Uh Yeah, perfect. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I had a great time. All right. Uh, by the way, if people want to check out my
0: music, uh, you can go to onebadday.is and that's where One you
1: Onebadday.is Yeah, okay. and the songwriting
0: stuff is uh, strongwriting.net
1: Okay, and thank you again for joining us.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: And that concludes our interview with Avondur Carlson. You can find everything you need to know about Evendur at his website, onebadday.is. Find out more about his songwriting course at strongwriting.net, and he can be found on Facebook. The best way to learn how to get to where he has information on social media is just check our show notes. We have links to every place that he has a presence. So for Local Open Mic, I'm your host, Tim Heath. Remember, get up on the stage, step up to the microphone. The world is listening.